This is Teach Play Love. The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages 0 to 8. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood expert, Education Vice President Rachel Robertson. And make the most out of every chance to teach, play, and love. Social-emotional skills. We use them every single day, whether it's making friends or figuring out how to express our feelings. We even use them at work, maybe negotiating in the boardroom, or in talking to our own kids. We tap into these skills quite a bit. So how do we define them, and how do they develop in early childhood? Rachel and Ruth help us sort out what exactly they are and how to help your child acquire these very important life skills. We meet again, Ruth, and this time we're talking about one of the most important things for our littlest citizens, social and emotional development. I've been totally looking forward to this discussion. On our last episode, we talked about responses to children's behaviors that challenge adults and how helpful it is to have a sense of what children are capable of in these early years. Yeah, so this will be a really interesting discussion. It's fascinating to learn more about what's going on in those busy brains. All right, so let's dive in. In education, we hear about the term social-emotional development or social-emotional learning quite a bit. Is there an easy way to define that for folks? Well, in the most simplified terms, social-emotional development can be defined as the skills and capacities children develop that allow them to understand and respond to emotions, their emotions and other people's emotions, and build relationships with one another. This is the kind of stuff that's often referred to as soft skills, right? But when described that way, they don't seem as respected as other skills. And I know you think they're really critical. Yeah, I do, and for good reason. Research continues to validate how essential these skills are for success and satisfaction in every aspect of life. I had a feeling you would say that, and I cannot wait to discuss it more. So do you mind if we start by digging a bit deeper into describing what social-emotional development is? For starters, are they the same thing or two different but related things? Yeah, that's a really good question. They are two different categories of development, but they are so interdependent that they are often described together. I say let's start by separating them and talking about them each separately. First, social development. These are all the skills involved in interacting with and forming relationships with others. And then emotional development. This is about understanding your own emotions and being able to express them appropriately as well as understanding others' emotions and responding to those emotions appropriately. It's really interesting to think about them separately, and clearly it shows how interdependent they are as well. It's making me very aware of all the social-emotional skills I'm putting to use right now. Yeah, good point. We are all always using our social-emotional skills, from making eye contact to waiting our turn to thinking of another person's feelings. And when we don't, trouble happens. So whether it's you or I not using our social skills well in a situation, or when a young child who doesn't know how to use them yet, or even when someone with developmental delays is challenged by social emotional skills, 
poorly formed social emotional skills can cause a lot of challenges. Yeah, I've heard you say that social emotional skills are as important in a classroom or a boardroom. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. If you're in a playground or you're in a meeting, it's important to be able to read body language, communicate, consider perspectives, compromise, and so forth. All those skills are important in both of those scenarios. Okay. So can you talk more about how children develop social emotional skills? What do they develop and when do they develop? There's so many to talk about. We couldn't do them justice if we just started listing them. So let me just take you through some general development of social emotional skills, starting off with those tiny little babies, because they start off as very social beings. The very first things they're doing is looking for faces and human interaction. They're interested in people from the start. And thankfully, we are all biologically programmed to think they are just the cutest, most adorable, precious things ever. So no matter how much they cry and how much they need, we reciprocate this fascination with them. This is the beginning of social skills, these first interactions. And honestly, these are some of the most important interactions and and budding social skills because from their first days, children are learning their place in the world. They're learning what's possible and what they're capable of. And very importantly, they're learning who and what can trust and rely on. And this is when attachments are forming. Tell us more about attachments, Rachel. I'm not sure everyone's familiar with that term. Attachment describes the emotional connection with another person. For children, we want them to have at least one secure attachment with one adult in their lives. And they can have many more, but we want them to have at least one. I cannot overstate the importance of this. Secure attachment means it is reliable and consistent and loving. So it's something that a child can rely on. It's like guaranteed. This person will love me and be there for me and help me with my needs. I often use the analogy of game of tag to highlight how attachment works. So if you've played a game of tag recently, or you can remember the last time you played a game of tag, you're more willing to run around and take some risks if you know that home base is there available to you to take a break. And you're often looking over at home base to check out how far away you are and how you can get there. And that's like the adult that you'd have a secure attachment with. But if you never have that or you're not sure it's going to be there, that game of tag is so much more stressful. I can visualize that game of tag. And that does make the concept of attachment seem really clear. And really important and valuable. As children grow, they begin to develop additional social skills, but a lot of them are built on the secure attachment they have. They start showing emotional responses when they're reacting to people or things. They understand themselves as separate beings than their caretakers. They begin to learn the intricacies of interactions with others, although this does take a while to develop. This is really demonstrated in how they play with their peers. So if you've ever watched a young child, maybe a baby, playing with peers, they're not really playing with them. They're fine if they're near them, but they're also fine if they're not near them. And they're playing fairly independently. They're exploring things. As they get a little bit older, they start to interact. They notice each other, but they're they're kind of playing next to each other. We often refer to that as parallel play. And then when they're more equipped 
to handle social interactions and understand the back and forth of that, then they start in more cooperative play. So they have self and social awareness. They can manage themselves a little bit more and they can do some back and forth with their peers. But all of this takes time. This is a couple years of development before they can do this. And they are working on some of these skills, honestly, well into their teen or early adult years. Because we can't see these skills developing as clearly like we can with physical skills like walking or academic skills like reading, I think it's really hard to understand and remember the natural progression of this development. Yeah, that's a really good observation. And I'm just giving you this quick summary of what's developing. There is just so much happening as children develop social-emotional capacities. Earlier, you mentioned both recognizing and regulating emotions. That seems pretty important to me. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, we all know young children are certainly good at feeling a lot of emotions and expressing all of them, sometimes multiple at once. So the developmental work they're doing is recognizing those emotions. I mean, first, that's one of the first things you're doing with emotional development is is checking in with yourself going, oh, okay, I feel happy right now. This is what happy feels like. Or, hmm, this is what mad feels like. And then once they recognize that and start to understand that, they have to figure out what to do with those feelings and respond to them appropriately. So first, they're figuring this out. So they're responding to them inappropriately quite a bit when they're young and just trying to work it all out and using the skills available to them. When we see a lot of meltdowns happening with young children, this is why. They are overwhelmed. They're not sure what to do with all of what they're feeling. The good news is children can and do learn how to respond to those emotions through recognition and regulation. Even in that first year, you can see babies doing some early signs of self-soothing, figuring out how to calm themselves. But this is always better if they have a strong and secure attachment. It's much easier to stay calm when you know a reliable adult is there to help if you need it. Then, next step, they need to tackle understanding other people's emotions. This is perspective taking and having empathy. This is pretty sophisticated and takes a while. I mean, I see adults struggling with this all the time. What's happening here is a concept called theory of mind. Theory of mind describes the ability to understand that another person can have different ideas in their mind than you do. I mean, think about that. That's a pretty big thing to really understand that because for a long time, young children don't understand that. So about age four or five, they're starting to pick up on this idea that my friend and I are both here together, but my friend has different thoughts than I do. I guess most of us don't remember ever learning it, but it's really fundamental for long-term relationships. So let me ask you this. What can parents or adults do to support social and emotional development? Yeah, let me give you a few ideas. These are things that can happen pretty naturally throughout any day or any schedule, no matter where you are or what you're doing. First of all, having fairly established routines and generally secure, consistent expectations is really important. You know, of course, things change, but when children don't have a sense of time or any control about their schedule, it is hard to manage your emotions. I mean, that's true for adults as well. So the more they can predict what's going to happen 
for their day and someone's giving them a heads up on what's expected of them or reminding them about that, the easier it will be for them to regulate their emotions. Another thing to think about is play. I mean, I talk about play quite a bit as this really magical experience for children that's so joyful, but they also develop and learn quite a bit from it. And here's just another example of that. When children play, especially when they're playing with each other or a parent, they are doing all sorts of things that build social emotional skills. They are definitely considering perspectives. They are taking turns. They are sharing. They're negotiating. They're having to respond to someone else's idea that they may or may not like. They have to wait for something they want. All sorts of great stuff is happening. And especially in really imaginative, open-ended play, because it can go wherever children want to take it. So when your children are dressing up or pretending they're animals, they are developing so much social emotional skills. So let that happen. Another thing is when you're choosing books or maybe making up stories to think about a social story and talk about perspectives or what do you think this person's feeling or how is this character? What do you think that character is going to do next? So letting them take a step outside of themselves and learn some social emotional skills through stories. And you can even do some role playing when you're doing pretend play with your child. Talking about emotions and acting those out is a really good idea. And then the last thing I'll mention that can be really helpful is just in the way that you respond to children. So if a child is very frustrated, or maybe I'm just imagining a child sitting in the back seat of a car, kicking the seat because they don't want to go where they're going. You could say something like, you need to calm down. Or you could say something like, I see that you're very frustrated right now. What's a way that I can help you with that? Or do you have any ideas? So you're naming an emotion and you're helping them think about how to handle it rather than just telling them what to do. That's a fabulous list of things that adults can do to support social emotional development. This conversation is bringing to my mind, especially when you were talking about word choices, it's bringing to my mind a lot of cliches that I often hear. Things that parents routinely say, like, how would that make you feel? Or you say you're sorry now. And now that I'm thinking of those in the context of what social emotional skills are and what a child may or may not have, Let me ask you, Rachel, do those cliches represent inappropriate or appropriate expectations? That's a very perceptive question, Ruth. There are a lot of parenting cliches about children's behavior. And you're right. They are often used in ways that are just shortcuts and a parent's not even really thinking about what they're saying and definitely not thinking about whether or not the child can do it developmentally or in that moment. So, for example, something like, how would that make you feel? That requires a child to have a firm grasp on understanding perspective and being able to recall and reflect on emotions. So if you're asking a child that's younger than four, really five, they're not even able to really do that. So if we're not going to use that cliche, what do we say? One suggestion is to ask questions to get a sense of what they do understand and what they are capable of. So maybe something like, instead of how would that make you feel, you would say, I wonder how James feels right now. What do you think? And then if your child is pretty accurate about it, then you've helped them through some self-reflection and reflection of someone else's perspective. And if they're really off base, then you can understand that they don't really understand perspective quite yet. And you can help them with that. Let me just give you one more example, because this one is pretty important to me. When a child does something hurtful or embarrassing, 
we want to fix it quickly and we know an apology sometimes will just help and we can move on from the situation. But when we as adults tell children, say you're sorry, we are not teaching them what empathy or remorse feels like. We're just giving them a way to move on quickly. Wow, that makes a lot of sense when you describe it like that. So what should we do instead? Well, really, I mean, what you should do is going to take longer and might even feel a little uncomfortable, but it is a perfect opportunity to talk it through with your child and then model some thinking and behavior. Let's take a pretty common scenario. You're maybe at a playground or a park and your child takes something from another child. This is when you want to really quickly say, oh, we're sorry and, and move on. But Instead, if you can, take a moment to talk to your child. Say something like, hey, I see you have a toy in your hand that doesn't belong to us. Can you tell me what happened? And then as the conversation progresses a little bit, ask them what do they think they can do to solve the problem. You can maybe prompt them if they need it, but really they'll get to the point of feeling empathy or trying to figure out perspective, and they might come up with a solution of giving it back or sharing or saying they're sorry. And this is so much more beneficial than if you tell them what to do. It's fair to say that's quite an investment. It will take patience and time, but it will help a child develop social and emotional abilities faster. Exactly. And in most cases, just to be frank about it, that is true. And sometimes it doesn't take as long. Sometimes it's just switching a common phrase from something like, you're okay, to how do you feel right now? Or it's not that big of a deal to, I know this is hard and I think you can do it. I'm here to help. Simple enough. And I can see how those change phrases don't just stop behavior, but they support development. This has been a really interesting conversation, Rachel. Any last thoughts you'd like to share? Well, of course, because any chance I get, I stress just how important these skills are for school, for work, for relationships, to have resilience to overcome challenges, literally anything. Social and emotional skills are what makes the true difference to have a life of success and satisfaction. Remember Rachel's point about playing tag and how you're more willing to try things and have courage if you know there's a home base? That safety, that's you. And the more you secure your attachment and support for your child, the calmer and easier things are for them as they navigate their world and their emotions. You can also revisit episode 10 of Teach Play Love, where we explore ways that parents can positively guide their child. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us and find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love and rediscover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.